hoy, you delightful little ragamuffin. I'm John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. Thank you for joining me once again on this little experiment that I call a podcast. And you know what? One thing I talk about quite a bit is about the nature of government, which to me is conflict. And then, by contrast, the nature of free trade, which to me is peaceful. And really, there's no better example of that today than the conflict between baby boomers and their children, the millennial generation. Recently, Saturday Night Live this past season did a sketch, a game game show sketch, as they are wont to do, called Millennial Millions. And the premise is basically there are two millennials vying to win social security, money for student loans, debt relief, stuff like that. But here's the rub. Those pesky baby boomers just might steal all your winnings for their greedy selves. But before the game began, actually, cast member A.D. Bryant sang a song about the boomers that frankly felt a little bit on the nose and editorial for me if I'm analyzing the comedy. But you know what? It makes my point nicely. So let's hear that song, shall we? Well, their parents came home from World War II And they had a lot of sex and they had a lot of kids Then the kids grew up in a prosperous time Where America was the only superpower left Then they played all the music and they did all the drugs And they had all the sex and they all went to college And they got all the jobs and they made all the money And they bought all the houses and they won't ever die So basically, the premise there is The baby boomers, they did it all. They did all the drugs, they had all the sex, they got all the jobs, they spent all the money. So there's this pervasive idea in our current society, and I'm sure it's as old as time, quite honestly. It just seems like it's even worse now. And it's this idea that there is a fixed pie of wealth, and that if somebody has more than me, or somebody has more than anybody, then they are, in effect, taking what I could have had. That there's only a, a certain fixed pie of wealth, a certain fixed pie of retirement funds, college funds, whatever it might be, and anything beyond that, once it's spent, if somebody goes to college, that means somebody else cannot go to college. If somebody retires, that means somebody else does not retire. This is basically, you're on the survival boat mentality. You're on the life raft mentality of, of life. You're rationing everything. That's how you think the world works, is we must ration everything. Well, again, in the world of trade, we're in a growth mentality. And that's why capitalism, that's why growth, that's why trade creates prosperity. It creates abundance. It creates all the things that we have today. So how is it that in a world where we've seen tremendous real-world growth on every level, how is it the millennials think that they're getting the short shaft here? Well, let's go back to the sketch and see the first, the first question and just hear how that sounds. Carrie, why don't you give us a start? Okay, here we go. Come on, health insurance. And stop. Okay, you got Social Security. Whoa, awesome. Free money when I'm old. Oh, well, not if a boomer takes it all first. Now, notice the phrase free money there. I'm sure a lot of baby boomers will be going, now, wait a minute. They'll object very quickly and say, now, wait a second. I paid in for Social Security, so what do you mean? That is my money. It's not free money. That's actually my money. Well, just to give the other side of that, let's hear the very end of that particular round 
of this game show. Now, Carrie, this boomer is going to complain for 30 seconds. Make it that whole time without interrupting, and the Social Security is yours. Okay, that sounds easy. It sounds easy, but I know how you millennials love anything that challenges your worldview. <laughs> 30 seconds on the clock, and go! You young people, you have it so easy. You know, you sit around eating avocado toast, watching movies on your phone. I never had that, okay? I had to work. I mean, $8 million is not what it used to be. So, of course, I'm taking the Social Security. I'm sorry, I can't. You're taking the Social Security? Bitch, you are rich! So, again, see the inherent conflict here that has been created by Social Security's very existence. You see, boomers do have a point. They were sold a bill of goods that said that, yes, this will be your money. We'll put it in to its own specialized account, yada, yada, yada. Well, even though they were sold a bill of goods, something that was nonsense, you see, all that money was eventually put into the general fund and was able to fund anything in our government, literally anything that they fund. But the idea was that they would pay in and then get that money back with interest, if you were, if you will, at a later date. And that's exactly, in their mind, they've put up their end of the bargain. They paid in through their payroll taxes for decades, and now they're getting checks back. This is exactly what they signed up for. But the problem is, from the millennial side of it, we've been told, and I say we because I'm an older millennial myself, we've been told for years now that basically, well, don't count on Social Security. Wait, what? How come we don't get Social Security? Y'all got Social Security? So yeah, when you see, as they said in the sketch, you're worth $8 million and you're still taking Social Security, you can kind of see why that would irritate a person, a millennial. Or you can certainly at least see where the conflict would arise here. Can you not? And Again, these are ostensibly your parents at times. Now in the sketch, it's not literally their parents until the very end here. I'll play that clip as well. But to create a conflict between the very people who've given you life, given you knowledge, given you everything that they can, well, that's kind of that's kind of a bad result, don't you think? That's not very good for social cohesion and peace. Again, government is conflict by its very nature. And actually, again, we have another another round of this game here. Pete Davidson's character chimes in. So let's hear what that sounded like. Okay, Dylan, we'll give you the debt relief if you can listen to our collector boomer without interrupting. Stop this clock and go! It's crazy. I'd love to retire and free up a job for a younger person, but we've got the house in Jersey, then our house out on the Cape, which is a tax nightmare, and the Scottsdale place. I mean, it's too much! What am I supposed to do? Hey, someone, you dumbass! Nobody needs that many houses! <laughs> now, there, that was funny there, just because there's a sort of very obvious human thing that a lot of us do. It's hard for us to imagine being in somebody else's shoes when they have a lot of money, or at least more money than we do, because we're going, well, if I had all that money, then I would just, what, have my current lifestyle and then a bunch of money in the bank. But of course, in reality, most of us or a lot of us tend to live to our lifestyles, live to our lifestyles, match our salaries, essentially. We'll match our level of wealth, whatever we perceive our own personal level of wealth to be people aren't big on saving these days but they sure are big on spending and frankly our entire government is set up to do that as well so why should we expect people to be any different so finally on the 
last round of this, the final jeopardy of millennial millions, if you will. The challenge is, is now the young lady that we heard earlier, I'm sorry I'm forgetting the celebrity's name off the top of my head, but she now has to listen to her dad. Yes, this is the most challenging boomer to listen to of all. You have to take a lecture for your dad in order to get the big prize. She gets the whole kit and caboodle, debt relief, social security, college, health care, the whole thing. So again, let's hear what that sounded like just real quick. But uh, dad, why don't you give us a little taste of what you're going to tell us? Uh, well, I was going to explain that I don't have student loans because I worked my way through college. Yeah, right, dad, because college cost $300 back then. Oh, don't y'all start without me now. <laughs> this is going to be good. We'll be right back. Now, again, I get it. That The dad, Beck Bennett there, the dad's perspective is I've heard that a lot, and I'm I'm certainly sympathetic to it. The idea that, hey, you took out the loan. It's your responsibility. Great. I have no particular qualms with that, except for the fact that we do need to provide some context, don't we? Because we're not talking about some 50-year-old man who is taking out a loan. We're talking about, frankly, children for the most part. When they're talking about signing on to student loans, they're, what, 17, 18 years old. They're taking out big loans, sometimes can be as high as six figures, but their entire lives they've been told by their parents, the boomers, and frankly our entire public education establishment that they have no future without a college education. And that also to not worry about the amount of money that they spend on college. Because college is always said to be an investment. So don't worry about taking out that money. It's going to pay off in the long run. And certainly, obviously, again, you're screwed without college. And who wants to date a blue-collar guy anyway? Yuck. Ugh, who wants that? So again, this whole system, this whole culture of, oh, everybody has to go to college is actually counterproductive, in my opinion. Many of these people, like my wife's nephew, who has his own lawn mowing business as he's entering his last couple years of high school here, a lot of people maybe could have done that or been been willing to do it or been interested in doing it if some sort of small business type thing or just anything other than taking out tons and tons of money on a degree that is frankly never going to yield the type of investment that you think it's going to. Again, the millennials have been totally sold a bill of goods. And yeah, like the dad said in that sketch, back in the day, back in the boomers' day in the 60s and 70s, yeah, you could probably go to college for $300. That's not a joke. That actually sounds completely plausible to me based on everything I know, talking to, my, to baby boomers, including my own parents. But I think it's obvious that there's a direct correlation between the beginning of the Department of Education in 1979 and college tuition skyrocketing. And frankly, what the Department of Education was, was a large centralized plan that gave free college for some, to put it quite simply. Again, free college for some. And imagine, not imagine, but look at how expensive free college for some became. Now just imagine what free college for all will cost. Keep that in mind for a second. Ultimately, what the baby boomers have done 
through the government, by the way, purely through the blessings of Congress, the presidency, the executive branch, and all the various different departments of education and departments of bureaucracy that have come up in this country in the last few decades, that's where we can look to this widening gap, this increasing this increasing conflict between these two generations. Again, what they've really done is rung up a bunch of debt and a bunch of costs and a bunch of future liabilities that they can't pay. That's really the mistake here. But again, Social Security started in the 1930s, so we can't even blame the baby boomers on that one. You see, this stuff's been going on for a long, long time, and it's been going on for so long that most of us can't really imagine a world without it. In fact, it's my argument that humans have a decent bit of Stockholm Syndrome-like behavior when it comes to their ultimate trust in the government. But when current generations ring up debt, ring up lots and lots of public debt that they themselves are not individually responsible for paying back, you're kicking that can down the road. And even worse than that, to take, it, to take a better analogy, what you're doing is you're looting future generations. You're stealing the wealth that they have yet to even accumulate. And that all seems great when you're a politician because – you know what? Future generations, they can't vote, but current people can. So let's do all we can to steal money from people who aren't here yet, if we can, to give them to the people who are here so they can vote for us. And look at how, guess what? Now the future is here. It's truly here now. And you're seeing that, again, we millennials assume we're not going to get any social security while the boomers collect a pretty decent chunk of money on social security that they felt that they've earned. Well, my point is, is not to make baby boomers feel bad or even to make millennials feel bad. My point is, is to point out actual reality. And that is this. Social security, free college, free college for some, free college for all, free health care for some, free health care for all. They all have the really bad tendency to borrow from the future. And it's sort of like, a Ponzi scheme, when you borrow from the future over and over again by printing money, by taking out debt on money that you're never going to pay back, it really is like a Ponzi scheme. But you know what? Bernie Madoff, his early investors, if you got in early on the Bernie Madoff fund and you got your money out before the fund crashed, you actually did quite well. It's obviously the people who got into Bernie Madoff's fund late while the fund was crashing, well, they're the ones who lost virtually all of their money, certainly all the money that they put in to the Bernie Madoff fund. Well, guess what? Now is the time where the fund is crashing, all right? Millennials are the late receivers. And the millennials and their kids in the future and their kids in the future, well, they're the ones who are really, really going to left be left holding that particular bag. So again, the more government gets its fingers into every aspect of our economy, of our society, the more conflict you can expect there to be between generations, friends, neighbors, teammates, everything. Because I can think of a lot of people in my life that 
I never have any conflict with except the occasional political argument. And I'm sure you can think of those types of relationships yourself. So again, keep that in mind and keep, keep in mind that wealth is not a fixed pie. Or else, how could we all still be here? There's way, way, way more people than there was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And yet we all have more access to food, more stuff, all that sort of thing. Despite the existence of extreme poverty in certain parts of the world, there's no doubt that overall human beings have made tremendous strides. And we will continue to do so as long as we're able to engage in free trade and most importantly, free and peaceful trade, which is, again, trade is peaceful by its nature. But when that third party, the government, tries to force its way in between you and your peaceful second party, well, that's when conflict starts to arise because it's obvious why people should resent that type of behavior. And it's obvious why in a world where people think there's a fixed pie that can only be redistributed or distributed by the government, why, yes, that's going to cause a lot of conflict as well. So, hey, hope that all made sense. Hope you enjoyed my little trip down SNL lane there. I am going to get on out of here on this hot, hot, hot Thursday afternoon. On Everybody Trades. Till next time, everybody.